Welcome to Season 3 of The Lifestyle Chase, and I'm your host, Chris Little. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. To help this podcast grow, please share it on social media, rate five stars, tell your friends, and check out the past 140 episodes and counting. You can follow me on Instagram at Christian Little and at The Lifestyle Chase. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. All right, so welcome to the Lifestyle Chase. We are live. We are rolling for episode 172, and I am joined by the one and only Matthew Ibrahim. Did I get your name right? Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. I, uh, you did a great job. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I, I know my, my last name. It's, it's unique. It's different. It's, so it's, it's a Middle Eastern background. Technically, it's Ibrahim, so you're not that far off. What I typically tell people is to simplify, like I, eyeball, bruh, bruh, like what's up, bruh, and then him, him. So I, bruh, him. I once was called, uh, you know, first, first day class, freshman year of college, Matthew Iverson. And I said, yep, that's me. I'll take that. Alan Iverson, my favorite, uh, one of my favorite athletes of all time. So I took that. But you did a great job. And uh, thanks for having me on. I really look forward to diving in. Yeah, no problem. I mean, like, I was listening to a few episodes and I was like, okay, I'm just going to try really hard and do my very best. And it's kind of like names are such a, like a, an icebreaker. I mean, I know some sure. people that just, they'll, they'll kind of butcher the name on purpose. Shout out to Dean Guido. Um, and it's just kind of <laughs> makes people laugh. And then they, they carry on from there. Um, with that out of the way, what was your day like today? Like paint a picture of what life is like for you. Um, some areas are post COVID. Some areas are still very much in the depths of COVID. Like for me, my gym's closed. Um, what's life like for you? Yeah. So today, Monday, so part of my academic professor work is uh, wrapping up some final, final grades, taking care of that stuff, uh, submitting some of the grading. So Monday mornings are usually a big grading day for me. Just uh, wake up, fresh cup of coffee, uh, get some grading in for the first couple of hours of my morning. Usually wake up at like five or six. And then depending on the day, usually Mondays is a lift day. So I'll head to the gym, usually lower body training focused. I have a strength coach. I have a coach as well. I don't run my own programs. I'm not that crazy. I, I need some, some, some brain space, some space, head space to myself. Uh, after that, get in my, my one hour walk. I usually get my one hour walk. Uh, I toss a weight vest on because it makes me feel like I'm getting a little more work in. Uh, I usually get that done after my lift or about midday lunch lunchtime. Today was lunchtime. Um, in between then, I trained a couple of clients. Um, I also, part of my day-to-day is training a very small handful of clients and athletes in home, kind of a, I guess, a concierge style strength coach where I travel to them, whether it's their home, it's usually their home or a local uh, indoor basketball court or a tennis club, something like that. And so I worked with a couple of those guys, uh, those guys and gals, and then I got some, I'm also a student, I'm also a PhD student, so summer courses started today, so getting some of the homework done, some of the assignments done for that, preparing to uh, fly out to uh, Provo, Utah for some of the in-person hands-on work in November, just took care of that flight <laughs> itinerary, uh, and then, um, yeah, just put together a grocery list for my fiance and I. We're gonna go grocery shopping tonight, and then now I'm hopping on a podcast with you. And then tonight, uh, we'll you know we'll make dinner, and we have our Netflix our episodes and our TV shows, and 
and, and that's really the life of, of where, you know, me, I guess, and what I'm doing now. Not, nothing too exciting and too crazy, but um, I definitely like to stay busy for sure. Definitely. I mean, like, that was jam-packed. Um, how do you maintain your sanity when you're at your busiest point? Like, what are the things that keep you balanced? What are your non-negotiables? I'm glad you asked that. I feel like a lot of uh, people go on podcasts and they're like, oh, yeah, I have this great, like, I do all these things and it's amazing. Like, I never stop. I don't sleep. Like, who needs sleep, right? And it's like, no, like, you kind of need those things. So my non-negotiables, and I don't know where, like, I heard that term probably a couple of years ago, and I really... I, that really like uh, resonated with me like these okay what do I need to do to and you said it Chris like maintain sanity be sustainable and also maintain my level of skill set right so I can't be awesome for you as the student the athlete the client if I if I myself am not maintaining my level of awesome I don't mean awesome like I'm awesome you're not I mean your skill set right is only as good as how well you take care of yourself and then you're allowed you're able better able to then take care of others right so for me my non-negotiables are a daily walk daily walk i the majority of the time i get in 30 to 45 minutes or greater i, I don't like to do 10 15 minute walks i want to get in 30 45 mostly an hour and i'll, I'll bring airpods so if i'm on a phone call or I'll listen to a podcast episode or it may be just uh, no air, no earbuds, no headphones, and just kind of decompress, stress relief, and kind of hear the birds chirping and the sun, vitamin D, those type of things. So daily walk, non-negotiable. Uh, full body lift four days a week. I'm, right now I'm in a split, so two upper, two lower, but strength training four days a week, daily walk, so seven days a week. Uh, outside of that, just trying my best to get good quality sleep every night. So I'll, I'll aim for for six or seven hours but you and i both know how that goes and uh so sleep daily walk lifting outside of that the biggest non-negotiable for me is really dedicating myself to so i'm getting married in september uh biggest thing you know we're coming on july 5th will be nine years of dating september 18th is the wedding so my biggest non-negotiable the fourth and final one is making sure I'm dedicating and carving out time for my fiance and that that's really meaningful to me and then what that will transition into longer term is my my family not not you know obviously my my mom my dad my brothers and and their significant others but also uh, the family that I hope to build and so those to me are the biggest non-negotiables I think the biggest thing I guess if you have like uh, an encasing around that so if I don't do this none of those things matter is wake up every morning with energy, feet hit the floor with a rookie mindset. If I don't have that, then those four things, they're not even important. So that, that, I guess that's like, that's my Bible and then I have the four non-negotiables. And so that's kind of how it's been for me. Uh, at least I've been trying really hard for the past couple of years and it's worked, knock on wood, it's worked pretty well so far. I like that. And I like that you bring up the, the rookie mindset. It kind of gets me thinking and is a good tie in to some things that I wanted to talk about in this episode. With that being said, I kind of want to hear your words, what your intro would be today, like how you would describe yourself. Like you were really awesome in sending me like an intro and I just want to hear it put to words just so we can kind of circle back and contrast some things and give people some positive perspective. But with that being said, we'll just like basically introduce yourself, just like who you are as a professional today. It's a great question. I think, you know, we often... You know, I do always scramble. Oh, I need to update my bio. Let me like 
let me get on LinkedIn and my resume. And it's like, what I am at this point in my career, after stepping foot essentially in 2007 to the field, I'm a student of the strength and conditioning profession. Yes, that has many different branches that, you know, feather off in different directions, right? Different leaves, different seasons, different roles, different hats I wear. But technically, I'm a student of the strength and conditioning field. My ultimate goal is to, to deliver results for the end user I'm working with. That could be in any capacity. It could be as a, as a presenter, a speaker, a podcast, um, you know, attendee. It could be as a professor. It could be as a student, actually, in my PhD program. It could be uh, as a strength coach. It could be, you know, some of the soft tissue work I do as, as, a, as a massage therapist. It could be any of those entities. I'm a student, and my goal is to, to deliver results. That's awesome. And so... Something that kind of stood out to me when I was listening to episodes that you'd been on prior to this one was like your your take on like the process of failure and what that can do, how that can shape you and how you can bounce back or learn from it. Like a lot of people will look at people who are making these appearances on, on podcasts and they'll look at like they're delivering all these seminars and they have all these like kind of credits to their name and they'll think, oh, they, they had it easy. Um, what's your experience with failure been like for you? Just like... What, what kind of pops into your head when, when you think of that as a word and how you relate to it? Failure to me is, I, I liken it to, you know, your, your car is unempty, there's no more gas in it, and you have to go to the gas station to fill up the tank, right? It's fuel. And I think I'll, oftentimes people look at it like, you know, when, you're, you, when you were in high school or undergrad and that one student who was the, I guess, the perfect student, I'm putting up air quotes, oh my God, if I don't get an A or better, my parents are going to kill me. That mindset, in my opinion, is crippling, right? Looking at failures like, oh no, this is the worst thing in the world. I'm not sitting here saying, try to fail, right? I'm not, I'm not saying that. But if we go back, and I'm a big, I love movies, big movie buff. Go back to The Sandlot. One of the, it's within the first five, 10 minutes. Benny the Jet, before he becomes Benny the Jet, I remember they moved to a new town. I don't know exactly where it was, but his mom says, look, get out there, get dirty, climb fences, you know, cut your elbow open. It's great. Like, don't get in too much trouble, but learn, fail, fall, make a mistake because from that you grow, you develop. And to me, failures, I used to always be really afraid. Oh, I don't want to make a mistake, so let me, let me not do that. Or I don't want to look like a fool or look like I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, let me, let me back off. Let me shy away. Until what opened my eyes was through not really giving a shit, not really trying hard in undergraduate, I, I didn't apply myself. I wasn't enthusiastic or interested in the academic process of exercise science and the learning that came with that. I just wanted to lift weights and be a meathead and read the newest uh, you know, teenager or men's fitness or men's health article. And through that process of failing, so... By academic standards, from my understanding, a C minus or lower is technically a failing grade. So I failed 12 classes in undergrad. It took me six years to get out of undergrad. I got put on academic probation. I had to plead my way back in. I finally graduated with a 2.961. I memorized that GPA for a very specific reason. I also took 132 credits, which is way more than you're supposed to take in undergrad. It's because I messed around. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I kind of just, I was winging it. I failed anatomy, physiology, 
level one two times, I failed anatomy and physiology level two three times. Those are, those are part of some of the failed grades. So after having gone through all that, I said, shit, six years later, 132 credits, 2.961 GPA. The hell do I want to do with my, my life? At that time, I had interned at Mike Boyle's strength conditioning in Woburn, Mass. Kind of, it's one of the meccas of SNC, right? That, I was awful. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be up front with you. I was absolutely awful. I don't know why they kept me on for, for as long as they did for the internship. Uh, then uh, I had, you know, got my certification to be a personal trainer. Done some stuff for that. Done some training with clients for a couple of years. It was doing okay, like you know, average. And I had done some work as a physical therapy rehab aide, and I kind of liked that as well. So I said, what the hell am I going to do with myself? So at that point, I said, you know what? I don't care anymore. I don't care when someone says no. I don't care if I don't get that email response or I don't get that phone call response, that text response, that Facebook in inbox messenger response, that, you know, whatever. I don't care. I will continue to smile, be positive, be energetic and always remain professional with integrity regardless of the uh, of the interaction and that kind of relentless pursuit if you will I, I don't care when someone says no i don't care if i fail because i know that i'm going to learn from it and apply that information i am not the brightest i'm not the most intelligent but i have this thing where i will not be at work and that's between me and myself not anyone else there's no competition the competition i have is between me and the person in the mirror and so for me at that time, Eric Thomas had become really popular. The one video, uh, it was with some running back for, for I forget the college, but um, as bad, to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, something along those lines. And I really, I, that resonated with that message that Eric Thomas was preaching. And, you know, he's the hip hop preacher. So I followed a bunch of his work and that really spoke to me. And so I took that. And one of his biggest things I remember was, you know, he, he I mean, look at his story. Eric Thomas, read about him. He's just absolute relentless guy came from nothing. And his biggest thing is, I don't care if you say no 500 times, my why, like my reason, my intent, my purpose is greater than your no. So for me, I'm like, well, why can't I do that? Why can't I think in that same light? So for me, I took that and I technically just ran with it. And that mentality, you know, with a lot of hard work too, and, and I, obviously I don't mind rolling up my sleeves to get my hands dirty. I enjoy that process. Has has allowed me to force my way into opportunities. I would say that sometimes, you know, you're given opportunities for sure, but I like to think that I'm very aggressive and I don't, I'm not shy to ask for opportunities. Because again, if I, if they say no, cool, no problem at all. With that thought process, uh, when I applied after undergrad, I applied to five doctor physical therapy programs, local in Boston for three years in a row. I have 15 letters of rejection. Never got accepted. I'm cool with that. Three of those schools have since invited me to speak for paid opportunities since then. So it's kind of one of those things like, hey, look, that's the way the world turns. Like you can't get mad or have regrets. Like that's how it is. I wasn't meant to be a physical therapist. I was meant to be a strength and conditioning coach, an educator, and someone who wants to guide and teach and instruct. And so I don't have regrets. And, you know, I, to this day, like you said, Chris, a lot of folks will say, oh, look at their bio, look at their resume, They're, they must be incredibly awesome. I don't think people realize that that's the tip of the iceberg. You don't see what's submerged underwater. You know, I'm constantly reaching out, pumping out emails, texts, phone calls. Hey, can I have this opportunity? Can I have this opportunity? More often than not, I get said no to, but I don't care. Not saying I don't care, like, hmm, flick it away. No, like, 
okay, I will respectfully accept your no, and I'll hope to see you some point down the road. And hey, if I, if I see them at some point down the road and then they change their mind, awesome. But I'm not going to have regrets or hold any grudges or have any animosity toward anyone else. I have too much positive energy to have that, to hold that in me. I think that's an important takeaway for anybody, especially during this time. Like there's people rebuilding, there's people just getting started. There's people like being that we got stuck at home looking at our phones for so long, it's going to be really easy to kind of see what people are putting out there and just kind of assume the whole story. Whereas it could have been a person's just like their final um, breaking point, like after so long having to be so patient and having to like stay the course for so long, that might've been their final yes after being said no to like 15 times. Um, But with that being said, we talked about non-negotiables a little bit earlier and you were pretty dialed in with those. You kind of had them defined and you knew what you needed. Has there ever been a point in your life where you've kind of been out of touch with those non-negotiables and what was that time like for you? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. So, um, uh, October of 2017 up until my 32nd birthday, this past January 19th of 2021. So call that a three year and a couple of month change. Uh, period of time. So I was a co-owner, the director of SNC and the internship coordinator and a bunch of other hats that we all wore during the pandemic, director of cleaning at a, at a local gym uh, in, in, in the Boston area where I live. Um, you know, I took that very seriously and being a, an owner and or co-owner of anything, I don't care if it's a corner store, a gym, what have you, you take on, you know, you wear that with pride and you take on every single aspect of the company with uh, this, you know, you take it seriously. You want to make sure that you're doing everything you can to satisfy the end user. So I liken it to, let's say you're going to drop, it, it's, your, it's an anniversary between you and your significant other, all right? This is a really nice dinner. This isn't we're going to, you know, little uh, quick little sandwich at the sandwich shop. This is like you're going to spend a considerable amount of money. Two, three hundred bucks, whatever it may be, whatever's in your price range, grab a bottle of wine, whatever, right? When you go to a high level premium restaurant, what do you get? You get ambiance, lighting, eye contact, respectful manners, right? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am, right? You get this, this setting where the environment, the culture, the community, everything is just perfect because it's a premium price. You're not buying a Honda, you're buying a Tesla, okay? So it's a premium, high-quality situation, restaurant, car, whatever, right? So that's how we wanted to operate, or that's how I wanted to operate within that realm. And so oftentimes, there's this balance, right? We all talk – there's always a discussion of work-life balance, and it's not a balance unless you actually work on it, right? Otherwise, it's lopsided. If you're work, 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 like Rihanna says, <laughs> you're only doing work-related things. And that's incredible for the betterment of the company, the clients, the athletes that you're working with, so on and so forth. However, however, where do you factor in? Where does your mental health, your well-being, right? That's a big, that's a hot topic right now for very good reason. Where does your mental wellness, where does your overall um, quality of life, where does that factor in? You can only lift so many weights. You can only, you know... Lifting is great. I love lifting weights. I mean, I'm the biggest meathead. I love the iron game. The iron has taught me so much over the years. But lifting is only one part of the puzzle. What does your sleep quality look like? What is your 
you know, nutrition and hydration levels look like. I'm not talking about being super uptight about it. I'm just saying like your nutrition, like you, are you getting nutrition? Are you having good quality food in your body? And also, what are some ways that you're able to manage your stress and decompress, like a stress management standpoint? Like stress is stress is stress, right? Why zebras, I don't know if it's don't or do, have ulcers, Dr. Sapolsky. I forget it's do or don't. Yeah, I listened to the audiobook. I think it's like why zebras don't get ulcers or something along that line. But it's good. Exactly. <laughs> it's a great book. Yeah, and I, I remember I met him in person in 2016 at the Boston Sports and Medicine Performance Group seminar put on by Art Horn at the time when he was with Northeastern. But long story short, stress is stress is stress. Like you have a tall glass of water, right? The water is the stress. You can only put so much stress into it until it's going to overflow. You have to, you know, take out sometimes. Taking out is exerting yourself, whether it's physical, mental, emotional. So going to decompress and watching television, going to go for a walk, get some vitamin D. So how are you employing all these different modalities to take care of yourself? Self-care. I think we look at the word like self-care like, oh, that's bullshit. We don't need that stuff. Sorry if I'm swearing too much. I apologize. But, But my point is, Self-care just means taking care of yourself. Like that, for me, it's lifting weights. It's going for a walk, spending time with my, fia- my fiance, my family, getting good sleep, good nutrition. If I'm not checking off those boxes, I'm going to have a really difficult time taking care of you as my athlete and you as my client and you as my student. So that's, that's kind of how I view it. And so uh, unfortunately, it's taken me this long since 2007, now my career in 2021, to realize that. But I would say that period of time was challenging for me to balance and figure it out. Um, just to be transparent, I've since left that facility just for the reasons of me wanting to get academia full-time uh, in mid-January. And so that's kind of where I'm at now. That's awesome. When it comes to like academia and like just let's first bring it into you pushing the needle forward for other people's like training knowledge. Like you're you're putting on online stuff, you're putting in in-person stuff. Um, what was your inspiration to get into that? And what have been the three most helpful things in you improving on that? Inspiration, my, my grandmother. Uh, my grandmother and my parents. So my father's mother, my grandmother. So she came uh, from the Middle East and she, had, she was running, I believe, two hotels. And so as we know, that's the service industry, just like our industry in fitness and health and training and performance is service-based. And the way that she went about life was everything is how can I serve and how can I be of service? So I took from that. She passed away in 2000, so I was 11 years old when she passed away, but I spent enough time with her to understand the value of service. Uh, my father and my mother, you know, uh, both immigrants, didn't, you know, they finished high school, didn't go to college. And so I saw with them this level of um, grit, determination, and I'm going to roll up my sleeves and, and get this because that, that's how I ha- it has to be. Um, raising, you know, I'm the middle child. I have an older and younger brother, three boys. I can only imagine what it was for my mom in terms of a food bill, but also just the stress of us yelling and being rambunctious. So I saw how they worked. You know, my father owns a couple of companies, salon, real estate. And so I saw my mom just, you know, she worked in um, academics as well in the high school setting. And so just seeing how hard they worked and their mannerisms and etiquette toward service and serving others. And so I know that someone could sit there and say, what are you talking about? It's not, it's not always about serving others. You have to serve yourself too. Yeah, like that's, that goes back to the balancing of the two. But growing up around that, being surrounded by that, helped me to realize, hey, my purpose is to help you become better, win your performance, win your health, win your athleticism, win your strength. 
I want to help you become better and become more awesome in those areas. So that's, that's what drives me is helping other people in their health and performance in athleticism. And that's, that's been a driving factor for a long time. Um, and then you said something about, so three things that, that kind of help you to refine your, your message, refine your craft to get better, kind of notice your bias, anything like that, that like kind of keeps, keeps things going forward. Notice your bias. And so that's something I'll start there. Uh, Instagram is a great place, right? And so it's a great place to learn, to educate, to be educated. I think sometimes, and this was a recent thing that happened earlier today, and I, I'm cool, I'm all good, right? I think sometimes certain individuals and entities, um, they stand on this really high pedestal because that's how they view themselves. And that's awesome, more power to you. And they, I'm being very vague on purpose, speak in such a way that it's almost like this passive aggressive, if you don't agree with the way they do things, you're wrong, right? So I look at that like, look, we're all doing awesome things in the field. We're helping people and that's amazing. So many things work, many tools and modalities work, just not all the time with all, every single person, right? And, and of one, right? Individualize your approach. So rather than competing or kind of starting these kind of petty arguments on social media, let's hop on a phone call. Let's meet in person. Let's talk, have a healthy conversation on how we can better understand one another and help the end user, the people in the world that need training and health and fitness, not bicker of, over who has a better method or, or thought process. Like that to me is like, it's just stupid. Like, Let's hop on a call. Let's talk. Let's let, or let's meet in person if you're local. Let's just have a conversation. I'm here to collaborate, not compete. So, in terms of me checking my bias, is not getting emotionally attached to anything that I'm doing training methodology wise. For me, it's I don't fall in love with exercises or movements. Sure, some are cool. Like you like, you know, here's your top five, my favorite. I fall in love with the adaptation. I'm trying to impose on the athlete. If I want to build posterior, posterior chain strength on a single leg, you and I both know there are a bajillion ways to get there, right? I don't care how you get there, get them there, get them healthy, get them there healthy and durable and resilient, but get them there. So I don't fall in love with movements, exercises, this technique, that technique, these tools, I don't give a shit about that. I care about what are the adaptations or adaptation I am after, and then boom, there you go. So you have to have a systematic approach to getting there, but you can input in any method, any tool, any process, any exercise, any movement you want. So that's, that's how I look at that. And so uh, making sure that in the lines of having a rookie mindset, I can fit my head through the door every single, every single room I walk into, meaning check your ego at the door. That's, that's to myself, right? I, don't, I, think, I like to think that I don't have an ego, but you never know in the world we live in, people think certain things. And so I am always very open to learning and constructive criticism. That goes with the failing though. Because I failed so often, I'm like, okay, because I'm, I'm used to it. Or, oh, I made a mistake. Okay, what can I learn from that? How can I apply that new information so I don't make a mistake again? So I'm extremely open to constructive criticism, extremely open to you not know, liking my process. And, I, and I'll be direct and say, great, I'm glad you don't like it. Let's have a conversation about why you don't like it so I can understand where you're coming from because maybe I can learn something from you. That I'm very open about those things. Um, I'm always, I'm my biggest critic. So if I do, if I'm coaching or if I'm presenting or speaking or teaching, 
I say to my students, I say to my attendees, I say to my clients like, hey, I messed up. Let me know how I can be better. And I apologize for that. Or interesting question. I'm glad you brought that up. I don't know the answer right now, but let me think about that for a moment. Give me some time, do some research, and I'll come back to you. So I'm okay with being wrong. I'm okay with failing. I'm okay with making mistakes. I'm okay with, you know, the scariest word I've ever heard is expert, right? And to me, it's like, I mean, I don't, I don't belong in there. I, I'm still learning. I, I want to grow and develop. I'm only 32. I want to continue to grow, continue to learn, continue to develop. If I'm going to, I'll get so uh, passionate, I rip my headphones off. If I go to uh, a conference or a workshop or a seminar, if I'm fortunate enough to be invited as a speaker, I'm sitting in on all the other speakers listening. I want to learn from them. I want to take some information in from them. So, you know, that mindset has helped me. Uh, the other thing, too, is knowing that our field is continually changing, right? So everything changes. However, the one constant variable that is always – I'm sorry. Let me, repeat, let me repeat that. The one variable that is always changing, so technically it's a constant, is the human being. They're always changing. You just, as long as you can stay with them, you're good. I don't care about the newest hamstring exercise – the, the newest way to, to reduce injury risk of, of groin, calf, whatever. That stuff's awesome sauce, but make sure that you're staying in line with the human in front of you. I don't care if you're a PT, they're a patient. If you're a strength coach, they're an athlete or a client. They're all the end users. They're human beings. Make sure you're staying with them. And that goes in line with the soft skills of communication and coaching. We all, and I told my students this the other day, we're going to leave. You guys are graduating. We're leaving undergrad as uh, an undergraduate gra a graduate with uh, a bachelor's degree in exercise science. And that's awesome. You're going to be viewed upon as the expert. You should know everything. And it's furthest from, it's so far from the truth. Keep an open mind. Keep a thought process that says, how can I continue to become better and learn and be open to constructive criticism and knowing that it's always going to be this continual learning process with the variable that is ever changing is the human in front of you. That was loaded with like cool takeaways and a lot of things that I can kind of uh, relate to in a sense that like the more you can handle feedback, the more you're poised to grow in your career. Like the more opportunities you're going to have for like lessons that are going to shape who you become. Um, the more people are going to feel comfortable with like working with you either to give you a chance to grow or learn or to give you a platform or to help your client. Something that I kind of thought of as you were speaking, part of it is because you're a very good guest, like you're very eloquent in how you speak, um, is outside of exercise and outside of nutrition and all the like the fitnessy things, what are some things that you've worked on to refine your career as a teacher, like, like as an instructor, as somebody putting out information, as somebody training people, what are, what are some things that you've like put into yourself to be better that aren't necessarily your like cliche fitness things? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I spend these days, I spend a lot of time outside of fitness. Um, and I think at, at any point in, in your career, whatever you're, discipline is, you kind of get to the point where you're like, you know what? I know enough to peel several layers back and sit at the adult table. Let me kind of look at other fields. Uh, music is big and food industry is big for me. So before I jump into that, I myself have a professional speaking coach. And so part of that process is enunciating my words, 
entering pauses, eye contact, staying in your speaker's box, right? Conveying a message with your body. All those things go into it. And so Jenny Rerick, shameless plug, she's, a, she's an absolute, I call her the speaking ninja. Uh, Jenny Rerick, she has, um, uh, just check her out. She's incredible. Public speaking, presentations, she's just really, really uh, sharp, sharp, sharp individual. So I have a, you know, I use her from time to time now because anytime I'm doing more speaking engagements and interacting in a large uh, public forum, I want to make sure that I'm sharp as well. And I try to be. And so uh, that's one entity. The other piece is when speaking, I try to think of I'm having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with you or I'm speaking in a small five-person group. And I take that message and that thought process and I kind of pull it open into if it's 50 people, 100 people, 150, just pick your spots, make eye contact, uh, incorporate the room, make sure everyone feels like they're part of what you're saying and being interacted with. Uh, food industry and music industry. So music industry, I, I, I technically I'm an 80s baby. I was born in 89. I know that's kind of... I'm pushing it there, but technically I'm correct. So think of like Biggie, Tupac, favorite rapper of all time. Think of Snoop. Think of Eminem. You know, he's up there, one of my favorites of all time. Think of DMX. Think of all of these rappers, these hip hop, this music industry. And get away from the thoughts of, oh, like they say this, they say that, this is what they stand for. No. Look at the way that they write lyrics, the way they speak lyrics the process that goes into presenting because they're, technically they're presenters, right? They're, they're lyrical presenters, they're musicians. And so, and you look at other, like people, I love Linkin Park. All, there's so many other play, people in the music industry, R&B, um, Beyonce. Just look at their work ethic, their continual refinement of the process. Jay-Z is another one. Just look at what they've done. So I peel layers back. I, I listen to all that goes into music and, and you try to peel the passion behind it. You look at the food industry, restaurateurs, uh, really well-known restaurants around the world, um, chefs, like Michelin star chefs. If you're coming up in the field, I strongly recommend watching Gyro Dreams of Sushi. Gyro, J-I-R-O. The gentleman, I believe it's in Japan, it's under a railroad or train station. It only seats nine people. The wait list to get in is like three or four months long. And all they serve is sushi. I'm not talking about like a California roll or, or like where they put sweet potato. Like I don't even know that, that stuff. I'm talking about like sashimi, like the fish, rice, and like that's pretty much it. Like simple, simple, simple sushi. This guy has won I think two or three Michelin stars for those that don't know, Michelin star in the food industry is like, you're the shit. Like, you, you win a Michelin star, like, you're pretty effing good at what you do. This guy is like mid-80s maybe. He, look, at it, it's on Netflix. I believe it's still on Netflix. He says, I just want to make great sushi every day. And I'm like, simple. Wow. Amazing. So to me, it's that, all, that always is a constant reminder to me is – absolutely master the basics, become incredibly good at the basics because the basics, they, they may be boring, they're not sexy, but they drive home results. So gleaning that information and taking off from that, I, I try to continually educate my students, attendees, uh, clients, athletes, people I work with, let's become really good at the basics. 
you also have to add your own personal flair and, and who you are as a human being to make them more fun in certain entities. Like try to make a goblet squat fun for a 14-year-old hockey player. It's kind of difficult, but you make it fun. You add in different relatable touch points like, hey, this can make you really strong at your stride when you go play hockey. Oh, okay, I get that. Cool. So make it fun. Have relatable touch points so that it can you know, be context-specific to their sport, what they're doing, what they're learning. And just pulling from other, um, you know, field. I know uh, Brene, Bra Brene Brown, I always butcher the title, Dare to be Bold, something like that. There's Daring Greatly, there's, there's Daring a greatly. whole bunch, but that's one of them, Daring I think. Greatly. Daring Greatly is the one. And again, Brene Brown, look her up. She's, an she's just incredible. She talks about this sense of being vulnerable. It's one of her many, many things she talks about. And part of being vulnerable is showing empathy, showing compassion, putting yourself in the shoes of the person you're working with. So what I constantly try to do is develop those soft skills, communication, language, vulnerability, empathy, compassion, that often get kind of pushed to the side because they're not important. I remember I took health behavior change in my sixth year of undergrad, my senior year, if you will, and I said, what is this self-efficacy bullshit? This is not even important. Self-efficacy is the number one thing I value in our field because if i can't help an individual build self-efficacy their belief and their ability to achieve a certain task or skill performance related then what am i doing so that is the backbone of my coaching now it's buy-in trust communication everyone has like between you and i chris you're my for example you're my client i'm the coach there's a trust o meter okay i want that trust o meter to be surging just blowing through the top of that thing so that we are absolutely in line on what we're trying to do. We're trying to get you to a 315 back squat. We're trying to get you to a 92-inch broad jump, trying to get you to bend over to do the laundry without hurting your back. Whatever your performance or health uh, goals are, I want to help you get there. If I can't have these relatable touch points, these check-in communication um, ways of you know talking to you, then you don't give a shit about the goblet squat three times 10. You don't, you don't care about cable half mill, one-arm high row, pal. You don't care about that stuff. If I can't really increase your trust o meter with me. That's true. I mean, the cool thing is as you're going over all these points, I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, you're, you're speaking to the, to the choir here. Like I, these are a lot of things that uh, mean a lot to me. So I'm glad you're able to touch on them because that kind of gives people sort of like a path to sort of follow. They can relate to me or they can relate to you, but in some way they're going to get a takeaway from this. And the fact that you showcased that you look to other industries for ideas, for um, perspective or for like how, how they compound something up into that next level or, or whatever it may be like, that is so important. Like that's, that's kind of why I keep people guessing with this show. There's going to be some episodes where it's fitness industry. Some episodes are restaurant owners. Some episodes are employees. Some are teachers. Some are parents. Because there's so much opportunity to learn. And if we like crop it too much and restrict ourselves, then we're missing out. It's kind of like not embracing those times when we fail, when we could. Like we can either stop and then no, never go that direction again, or we can pause then keep going try again try again and have all these different tools to move forward with um for yourself what was the first time when you had something published like like 
you probably read a lot of articles, but then you were starting to put out articles. What was that moment like for you? Like, tell me a bit of that story. Uh, uh, the personal trainer development center, John, Jonathan Goodman, 2014, 2015. It was about, it was along the lines of building core stability and low back health. And I don't know, I think I did some sort of like plank or pallet press or chop and, you know, I got excited, of course. I said, wow, like, you know, there's my name and there's a really, uh, you know, John does a great job. Obviously, the PTDC has skyrocketed since then. They do an amazing job. You know, I said, wow, there's my name. There's what I wrote. That's me. And there's, you know, an article like that's people are reading that. And to this day, it's still on there. I mean, people still reach out and say, oh, I love your article. I'm like, really? I think it sucks. It's like eight years ago. <laughs> but but thank you. So, uh, you know, that's kind of the feeling I got. I, you know, little known fact about me. Uh, freshman or sophomore year, year high school, freshman or sophomore year, I wrote a poem in high school and it's published in a book. I have the book, you know, right? Am I famous? I guess I don't know. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. I got excited for that too. That's, this is, you know, I used, I used to be into poetry, like Tupac. I used to be in the way he wrote lyrics. But when that again, that speaks to me looking at different fields. So, you know, it's cool. I think, I think it's being able to be in a position where you can educate Certainly it's cool, but also I think it needs to be taken with a great level of responsibility because as you and I both know, fitness industry aside, there are many people in the world in any industry who are, they, they're trying to peddle something. They're pushing a different this or that, or we may liken that to the 21 day detox, right? Or we may liken that to, you know, lose 30 pounds in 10 days, or you know, all the bullshit you see, right? You can see this in any field, in, in the nutrition, I'm sorry, the food industry, the music industry, uh, business, right? There are all these, I guess, snake, snake, snake oil salesmen, right? These people who aren't being uh, forthcoming and, and honest and open, transparent. And so for me, it's saying, okay, if I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where I can educate, there are people looking at my information, Matt, you better button that up and be really transparent, but also like keep it simple with the wording so that people can understand that because sure. Do I want Chris to know what I'm talking about? Like he's a colleague of mine. Like awesome. If you get it, like I'm so pumped. Thank you. But if you don't get it, but gen pop people around the world, get it. We, we all win, right? We all win. No KYP, know your personnel, but also KYA, know your audience. Who are you speaking to? Who is your message trying to be conveyed to? Because once you know that, oh man, your purpose, your mission, your intent becomes so, so clear. Well, I mean, it comes down to asking for feedback too. Like chances are you've experienced times where you've received the feedback through something that's happened and chances are it's been through like if you've asked somebody for an opportunity, they've said no, maybe you've asked how you could improve on the next time. And when we're working with our respective audiences, asking our audience for for more feedback is going to kind of help us connect that dot for the next opportunity for us to be able to get a person to have more movement and activity in their life than they would have otherwise. Whereas if we don't ask for the feedback and learn those tough lessons and how, how to communicate with that person, we miss out on the opportunity to have people move. And we just, we're, we're scrambling, just trying to talk to, to our colleagues kind of like, that's a big thing in the industry that I've seen and it's not to call anybody out, but it's just like, 
as a huge team of professionals, we're looking at getting our communities in better positions than when we first met them. We're not looking at getting our 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 industry so much just better. It's it's our community, and as an industry, we lean on each other to support each other's communities. But it's just like now is is a great time to to help people learn non-exercise activity thermogenesis and learn what are the ways to um, squat that makes squatting fun. Whereas otherwise, if they don't know the ways to squat that actually make squatting fun, they're missing out. Like we could we could yell at them and scream at them what ways we want them to do it, or we can get them to trust us and introduce something holistic and sustainable to their lives. Totally, totally. So are you a person that sets goals for yourself? Do you kind of like set two year, five year goals? Tell me a bit about that. So yeah, in short, yes, I do. And I think the, the average person, right, that what's my one-year goal? What's my three-year goal? What's my five-year goal? My buddy, uh, Josh Bonatal of Future, he's been with Purdue, Chicago Bulls. He's doing an amazing job at Future. He talked about, he had me on, uh, I think it's called Highlighter. It's like, a, like an episode similar to this a couple of weeks back. And he talked about think even longer. Think about five, 10, 15, 20-year goals. Not that you need to know exactly what you want to do but line by line, but think about where do you see yourself in those timelines? Where, what do you want to be doing? How do you factor yourself in, your family in, your colleagues in, your community in, your clients in, your athletes? Because once you can see that, then you can begin to color in and fill in, right? Connect the dots. So for me, I have just begun to think of these longer, these longer five, 10 year goals. And by me making a transition recently, as of this past January, I'm getting more, I'm getting closer toward this goal, right? My long-term goal, be a full-time professor, teach, help the next generation of professionals become awesome strength coaches, awesome fitness pros and pay it forward because I wasn't good as a student. So getting my PhD, because technically you need that to be a, a, a you know, professor in academia in the undergraduate level and so at some point in the, in the master's degree level, I want to be able to give them my knowledge, give them my expertise and help them build the skills to become awesome as strength coaches, as fitness professionals, performance coaches, et cetera, et cetera. Pay it forward. On, in addition to that, on the side, I'm still always going to be a strength coach always going to provide training with clients and athletes in a concierge platform now, kind of in home or on the road or travel to type scenarios, and then speaking, presenting and, and, you know, public presentations, essentially. That's where I see myself. And I know I'm really close in a lot of areas. And so what I do is I take shots, I take chance, I take risks. Again, that falls in line with where I don't really care so much about failing. So goals could be, wow, I see that that, present, that seminar or that conference has gone on yearly. I've always really liked it. I've, I've, I went a couple of times as an attendee. I'm going to take a shot and say, hey, I'd like to be a part of that. Do you have room for me as a speaker? If they say no, great. If they say yes, cool. I'm, I'm cool either way. So taking more risks, taking more chance, taking more shots. A big part, and I had a conversation with um, uh, a former uh, uh, intern and student of mine, um, Connor Bombasi, local in the Boston area, just got his doctor of physical therapy at, from UMass Lowell. Graduate, he got done today, and I said, "Stop, pause. You need to know your value now, right?" And I'm 32 now, finally realizing my value. And what I say this, I, I want to make sure that the people, the person listening to this, 
understands the context behind this. Put in the work. I'm not saying get your certification and say, hey, you know, I'm charging X. No, put in the work. Get your, get your hands dirty, roll up your sleeves. But at some point, you need to realize, okay, if these are my goals, here's what I want my life to look like, right? Spend this much time on that. Spend this, this much time on that. That has to fall in line with your, what you believe your value to be. And then, uh-oh, the scary conversation of money and finance comes into play. Everyone's so afraid to talk about this, right? When you say, hey, you know what? I believe one hour of my time is worth X, okay? And someone reaches out on Instagram via direct message. This is not a true story. I'm, I'm making it up, wink, wink, and says, hey, would really love to work with you in an online training format. Great. Thank you so much for reaching out. You click the link in my bio. It's all right there. Feel free to click away. And you know what? Here's a link just in case to, to you know, shorten the steps for you. And person proceeds to then say, oh, that looks awesome. Thank you, but I'm only willing to pay you half of that. Pause for a moment. You're going to go to a restaurant and say, hey, I really want that steak, but I'm only willing to pay you half of that. Who, who in their right mind does this? The problem is this field has become so saturated. So you have to, more now than ever, know your value. Set your value and be okay with someone saying no to that, right? So that happened. Then you say, hey, look. Uh, here's the presentation I can offer you. Here's the timeline. Here's the rate. Would love to offer to you. Let me know your thoughts. Happy to answer any question on a phone call if you'd like to. And I'm using current examples. People always say, well, give me an example. Person says, would love to have you willing to do it, but that price is too high. No problem. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. And hopefully we meet down the road at some point. Stop giving in to what other people's views of your value is because you will continually be that hamster on a wheel. You'll never have your own path. Know your value, set your value, be realistic with it, okay, based on feedback from others and, oh, well, if I was invited to this conference or this presentation and so-and-so paid me this, wait a second, that's more than I thought my value was at. Maybe I need to rethink my value or could go the other way. Oh, shoot, like they're, they're valuing me a little lower. Okay, like and this is probably the second or third time this has happened. Maybe I need to rethink my value. So knowing your value, setting your value and being okay with someone saying no. Like, you know how many fitness, like performance centers, S&C centers, rehab centers that are in the world, teams, organizations, colleges, there are billions. If someone says no, don't, don't pout about it. Respectfully, with integrity, say thank you for your time, I appreciate it, I'm all set, hopefully we meet it down in life at another point, right? It's okay, it's, it's people are afraid like that they're gonna be, like you're not being rude, what, what part of that was rude? And this, this goes into being respectful in uh, communications, right? R different messaging platforms. Like, you know, know who you're talking to. Be respectful about it because you never know. That may come back around. Never, ever, ever burn bridges in any field. You absolutely never know. That carries with you, right? I'm in the Boston area. I've been doing this since, since 2007. I've worked in way more facilities than most people should in this many years of their career have not once burned a bridge. I can call my first employer and say, hey, how's it going, how's your family? And that's important because you lose out and you burn that bridge, you're losing not on the, just that person, but people that follow them, their patients, their clients, their athletes, their audience, their family. And that what happens is the message you're trying to convey, you're trying to spew out into the masses you're losing out on certain uh, areas and certain audiences. And so if you want your message to be heard loud and clear, right, you need to make sure you're not burning bridges. But also from a professionalism standpoint, don't burn bridges. 
a big part of professionalism is understanding how to take, like you said, Chris, feedback, internalize that shit, right? Constructive criticism, say, you know what? I'm going to be the bigger person here. Thank you for your time, Chris. I really appreciate it. That feedback was very well received. I'm going to work on that moving forward. And I look forward to, in a year or two, seeing you down the line and, and to show you that I made that change. Good luck, and I'll see you soon. Like, something simple as that. So, I don't know. That's just kind of my thought process. Sorry for going off the hinges there, but I just think we can all be better, myself included, about like being okay with being said no to, knowing your value, setting your value, and being comfortable with criticism and feedback. Like we're not perfect. We need to grow and develop. Well, I mean, it's so true. And it's important for people to hear it like again and again and again. Like sometimes people need to hear it three times before it sticks and before they actually act on it. And feedback and constructive criticism is uncomfortable. It means you're going to have to do something inconvenient and you're going to be new at it and you're going to have to feel like a rookie. But that's what kind of helps people grow. Like you almost want to be blessed with a whole bunch of failures and opportunities to learn because that's almost like the world doing you a favor and showing you where the next step to step up is. Um, and it's just a matter of embracing it and kind of making it a part of your identity. So with every episode, I get the guest to kind of give a challenge for the audience, just something to kind of like set them on a course for, for something greater than, than when you first met them kind of thing. So what would your challenge that you would impart on my audience be? It's a great question. You put me in the spot, man. I'm getting nervous. Let's see. So what I would say is, and I had to learn this the hard way, is, you know, we, in this field of fitness and health and performance, I think, you know, not all, but there are a lot of type A's, right? It's like, oh, this ri- and I, you know what? Sometimes I'm there as well. This rigid, very methodical process, like this is the way we need to do it or else. And what I would challenge everyone to do is be the bamboo stick, bend but don't break, be flexible, be malleable, be someone that can take a situation, although in their mind it was perfect and like, oh shit, someone threw me a curveball, aka welcome to life, and be able to have a plan B, plan C, or maybe no plan at all, just you know what, take it and then run with it. So be the bamboo stick, bend but don't break means to be flexible in your approach, right? It's okay when change occurs. That's that's life. Like curveballs, curveballs happen. You know, I wasn't expecting to be in this position a year ago, but what I do is I look at the positives and ways that I can continue to grow and develop. And I, I'm like, you know what? I need to be flexible in the way I'm teaching, or be flexible in the way I'm trying to coach that movement or teach this assignment or whatever it may be. I need to be flexible as a student in my PhD program with saying, oh shit, we have. We have, we have to do 8 p.m. A, a Zoom call. Like, I don't want to do that shit. You know what? Hey, it's part of the process. Be flexible, right? The last piece I'll leave with is, you know, the end goal is incredible, but fall in love with the process. The journey is what it's all about. That's where you grow, where you develop. You know, I never want to finish something because I'm always like, oh, no, I'm really enjoying this process, this journey. But as you know, you know, all things have to come to an end at some point, and you, and you learn something new. You go in a different direction. So, be a bamboo stick, bend but don't break, and really fall in love with the process and the journey with what you're doing. I mean, that was a beautiful takeaway to have. I think a lot of people got a lot out of this episode. I'd like to thank you so much again, Matthew, for, for joining me today. Um, and yeah, like we might have to do this again sometime. Chris, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. I would love to hop on again, and, and, I'll, and I'll leave with this final note. I'm someone who's very open 
to paying it forward and helping. So never feel um, hesitant or afraid if someone's listening. Like, reach out. I'm happy to help any way that I can. Slide into my DMs on Instagram. I think that's what most people do these days, and it's normal. And so I'm happy to help, happy to pay it forward and give back. And again, thank you for having me on, and thank you for your time. Perfect.